Good morning. Welcome to Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, if you are a first-time visitor with us today, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we do have visitor's cards in the pew. If you just take one and fill it out, you'll drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Uh, we'd be grateful for you to do that. Uh, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, nominating committee reports are available for pickup. They're over here on the sides, um, and so you can pick those up and take a look at them this morning. Um, and then this Tuesday night from 6 to 8, our church will have a booth at Sanford Health and Rehab for National Night Out. Um, so you can stop by and grab a hot dog and some goodies and come on out and see our firemen and police officers and uh, just have some fun with our community this coming Tuesday. We will have a booth there representing Flat Springs and we'd love to see uh, some familiar faces. A few uh, prayer requests to share this morning as well. Um, we want to be praying for the family of Joe Schaub, who passed away this weekend. Um, Joe's service will be this Wednesday at 2 o'clock with uh, visitation following. And then also we want to be praying for Mary Schaub's son-in-law, Mike Wells, who just had surgery and is recuperating at UNC. Um, so please just be lifting that family in your prayers at this time. Also, um, Chewy Guerrera, I have a very hard time saying that last name. Um, that is Bonnie's husband. He's going to be deploying here uh, very shortly. And so we just want to be praying for Bonnie and for the girls and for him um, as they make that transition and um, as he is deployed. So please just remember them in your prayers. Um, and then also at this time, uh, we have some students that are going to come up to share with us about their experience at Deep Impact Kids. Um, we left. Guys, if you want to start walking up here while I'm talking, I'm going to buy you some time. So um, last Sunday we left and went to uh, Camp Munda Vista near Asheboro, North Carolina. Um, and we had eight kids with us and two uh, chaperones and then myself. And we got to do a couple different um, projects and different things like that. And so they're going to tell you a little bit about it. And you guys can use this mic if you want to. Whoever wants to go first. Hello, my name is Reagan. We went to Camp Vista last weekend. My favorite part was going to um, get dessert after dinner and going to worship. At worship, we played games and sang and danced. We, our team helped with laying brick chips down at near the pool and going to the nursing home. We did stuff there like help clean up, hand out snacks, and play games. We had a great time at Camp Vista last weekend. Hi, my name is, hi, my name is Max Andrews. This week at Camp Vista, my mission team went to a nursing home. We played games we did bingo and played volleyball. On the second day, we went to a lady's house and did some yard work. I saw God working by letting us go help the lady with her yard. My favorite part of camp was doing yard work. Thank y'all for sharing. We did have a great um, week at camp. Uh, it was funny because I've this is the first time I've taken uh, kids their age to camp and so I told them I said you guys have taught me a couple of things this week 
And I said, the first thing you've taught me is that Ms. Taylor should always have snacks in her backpack because these kids eat like 24-7. And then um, the second thing you've taught me is that even when you don't go to sleep, you still can get up and function the next day, <laughs> even though Ms. Taylor cannot. And so we had just such a fun time um, being able to spend time together, get to know each other better, um, and then also just serving the local community. These kids worked so hard, and we were so proud of them. Um, and we had two that made some decisions that hopefully we'll be sharing that with you later on in the service this um, today. So we're just so excited and so grateful for the opportunity that we had. Um, and I just thank you for your prayers and support with that trip. Now would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we got to hear from our young people this morning as they shared about their experience with camp. God, we're so grateful for that opportunity that we had to go and to serve others and to show them your love. God, I thank you for this congregation that's gathered here this morning, God, that's here to worship you. God, I just pray that you help us to do nothing but focus on doing just that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Call to worship. Let's now turn our hymnals to number 282, Living for Jesus. Let's stand as we sing, please.
us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have given us. It's a wonderful day to come and hear your word. Father, we now ask that you might bless those that are sick, those that have lost loved ones. Father, bless this country. We're in a world of trouble right now. Father, we ask that you might bless these tithes, these offerings, so that we might further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. remain standing turn to 272 I lay my sins on Jesus a familiar tune with different words
Well, good morning. Oh, my gracious. Can we try that one more time? Ready? Good morning. Good morning. Okay, I'll take it. You guys doing okay today? Yeah, somewhat, maybe. All right. Okay, how about this? Once upon a time. How many books have you guys read where it starts once upon a time? We read books like that before? What? No? Okay. Your parents have failed you. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so a lot of times fairy tales start off and they say once upon a time. And when a book starts off that way, you know that everything is going to be okay in the end. Right? So you start off good, and then maybe something bad happens, and there's a situation, and it has to be taken care of. And then it's taken care of, and everything's good, and it all ends with, well, how does it end? You don't know how it starts, so you don't know how it ends, do you? So if it starts once upon a time, it'll end with, they all lived happily ever after. Okay. We don't, get, we don't often get stories that start out with once upon a time in the Bible. But in the book of Job, Job starts with these words. There once was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. So we could say once upon a time with Job. But the story isn't quite a fairy tale, right? If we've been listening to what Pastor Gary has been saying, it's, it's kind of the opposite, right? It doesn't seem like things are going too good, does it, for Job? So you guys remember a couple weeks ago in our children's sermon, we started to talk about Job. And we heard that he is the guy who got a bad break, right? He's the guy who had a lot of bad things that happened to him. And so sometimes in, in our lives, if we hear someone saying they're referring to someone and they might say, they're a regular Job. That's like something that keeps happening that's bad to them or they might relate to to. They just can't catch a break, that kind of thing. He's a symbol of bad things happening to good people. So at the beginning of our story, Job is a happy man. 
He's a wealthy man. He has sheep, he has oxen, camels, everything. But more than that, he's blessed with a family. He has 10 children, and they all like each other. Can you imagine that? 10 children, they all like each other. Some of you have siblings, and you don't even like each other, and there's only two of you. They even share meals together, and Job is good. He loves God. He does justice. He is righteous. Everything he has, he has gotten the right way. But then bad things start to happen. His wealth is destroyed, and he loses all his material goods. Even worse, while his ten kids are eating dinner together one night, the house falls in on his family, and he loses all of them. He mourns them mightily, but he refuses to turn away from God. Not long after that, he loses his health. He becomes covered with terrible sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And after everything else, the pain is so terrible. And finally, his wife tells him, curse God and die. What she's really saying is give up on God and life. Even his friends are telling him, they're trying to be helpful and offer suggestions. And they're saying, well, maybe your children sinned and caused all these terrible things to happen to him. They're not, they're not being very helpful by saying that, are they? That's not very comforting as a friend. So... Even though he's going through all of these things in his life, and he's just, he's at rock bottom, pretty much. He's lost his family, he's lost his fortune, he's lost his health. It's just not good. But he chooses to still remain faithful to God and to love God. So when we are going through rough times in our lives, that's when our relationship with God matters the most. Even when we're afraid of what we will say, even if we're hearing unhelpful words from the world around us, even when nothing makes sense, that's when we need God more than ever. Job needed that relationship with God, and in the end, he never got all the answers he wanted, but he got the ones he needed. And he got that connection to God. He kept that connection with God. He never turned away from God, right? The story ends with us being told that Job got back all the material things he had lost and then some. He also became a father to ten new children. Now, if this was a fairy tale, we would say happily ever after, right? They all lived happily ever after. But after losing ten kids, I don't think we could say that it was happily ever after because that's, that's hard. You can't, you can't get over that, right? We all lose what we value in life, and God knows that. God mourns with us, and even as God continues to bless us, God knows our pain. If God knew Job's, surely God knows ours too. What is so telling to me, though, is that God continues to bless us even in our pain. God continues to be with us if, even when we hurt the most, and God refuses to bless the words of false and easy judgment from the world around us. God is inviting you into that relationship. If you're in pain, if there's something going on in your life that you cannot bear, if you feel alone, you don't have to. Start with God and know that this place can sit with you in all of that too. There's nothing that, that you cannot bring to God, and there's nothing you cannot bring here. We may not all have answers for you here at church, but we can sit with you in the questions. We can keep silence when you just need someone beside you, and we can listen when you need an ear. And one day, maybe we can do that for someone else. 
So once upon a time, there was a man named Job, and once upon a time, there was all of us, living in a broken world, living in a sometimes painful world, but living in a community where we could support one another as we turn to God in our hardest times. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the lesson that we learned from Job. God, we know that sometimes in our lives, um, bad things are going to happen, hard things are going to happen, but we know that you are right there with us, walking alongside with us, God. God, I pray that we wouldn't take that lightly or that we wouldn't turn away from you, but that we would always embrace you, even in the midst of trials and tribulations. God, I thank you for these children, and I thank you for what they mean to our congregation. God, I pray that we would be able to model for them what it means to be a community of believers that support one another so that they can support one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll be reading from Psalm chapter 14, verses four and, oh, 1 through 4 and then 7. Godless fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do disgusting things. There is no one who does good things. The Lord looks down from heaven on Adam's descendants to see if there is anyone who acts wisely, if there is anyone who seeks help from God. Everyone has turned away. Together they have become rotten to the core. No one, not even one person, does good things. Are all those troublemakers, those who devour my people as if they were devouring food, so ignorant that they do not call on the Lord? If only salvation for Israel would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortune of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. Good morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, our Lord and our God, our Master and our Savior, our friend and our Redeemer, our Judge, we come before you. Aware that there are areas in our life that, Lord, we need your restoration. We need you to start uh, this old house project in us. There are some things you need to tear out, God. There are some new things you need to bring. And Lord, right now, I pray you bind Satan from this place. Because right now, Lord, you're going to speak a word and Satan will try to distract us from hearing it. And Lord, you have a word for every heart, for every life, for every person, for every boy and every girl, for every man and every woman in this building right now that could change this week. And we want to be leaning in to listen intently, oh God. So we pray, bind Satan. 
Don't allow him to distract us. Don't allow him to get us thinking those thoughts that rob us of your power. Instead, Lord, let us hear your voice and let us listen intently with our very being. God, speak to us. We live in a broken world. I pray for Gilroy, California, and El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. And in the midst of chaos and violence for no reason, Lord, we know the reason. There is evil in our land. And Lord, we know where goodness comes from. It comes from you. Help us to lean in. In Jesus' name.
Thank you, choir. Have you been forgiven by His grace? Isn't that good news? Open your Bibles to Job chapter 42. This is our third and final Sunday in the book of Job. I mentioned that there were three chapters of prose, 1, 2, and 42, and the rest is poetry. It's conversation between Job and three friends. And it's a great deal of conversation between God and Job. It's a conversation that takes place because people thought that all bad things were tied to sin. And in a deep theological point that I don't have time to unpack, if we go back to original sin, one might say that conclusion is correct. But they had, as I think we have done the opposite in our day, they had decided that if anything bad happened to you, it was because of a direct sin that you had committed. And so when Job's world literally falls apart, and that's such a powerful read, when one servant is there and before he finishes speaking, the next servant and then the next servant until four servants come and pretty much say, Job, everything you've known and loved in this life is gone. You'd think Job was a bad guy. I mean, what kind of sin warrants that kind of over-the-top destruction? I said we've gone the opposite way. There are folks that will tell you that God wants you to be rich. And he wants you to be happy. I guess he wants you to be beautiful. He wants you to be smart. God wants you to be in relationship with him. That's what God wants. God wants to fit you down here so we can live eternally with him forever and for always. That's what God wants. God has such a bigger picture in mind than we sometimes want to focus on. So now we come to chapter 42. and There's a conversation with God and the three friends. Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar kind of get some of God's wrath because of their mistreating of Job when he was down. They, they didn't mean to, but they'd kind of been kicking Job while he was down. And in that, God says, the only hope you guys are going to have is for Job. To pray for you. It's kind of a kind of a terrible place to be. But in the midst of that, there's a real truth there. I'll unpack it in just a moment, but I don't want you to, to miss it. It's in the tenth verse, which is the first verse of our text. We're going to begin to read in Job chapter 42. We're going to read verses 10, and we will read through 
the end of the chapter. If you're able, let me invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's Word. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. You didn't hear that. That went right over your head. That's sad if it did. Let's do it again because you don't want to miss this, okay? You don't want to miss this. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Restoration after he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. This great abandonment was over. And they ate bread with him at his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. Verse 12, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Boy, there's a truth. And he had 14,000 sheep. In chapter 1, he had 7,000. He had 6,000 camels. In chapter 1, he had 3,000 camels. He had 1,000 yoke of ox. In chapter 1, he had 500 yoke of ox. And 1,000 female donkeys. Now, I don't know why it was female, but I don't know anyway. In chapter 1, he had 500. And he had also seven sons and three daughters, exactly what he had in chapter 1. And he called the name of the first daughter, Jemiah, and the name of the second was Kezia, and the name of the third was Karin Hapak. And in all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And the father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations. And Job died an old man and full of days, and I might say happily ever after. I don't know. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his most holy word. Would you pray with me? God, we do know life is tough. And happily ever after doesn't take place on this planet. But you've promised us there is a happily ever after. <laughs> you've gone and prepared it. And you've said because you've prepared it, you'll come again and you'll receive us unto yourself that where you are, there we may be also. And we are so thankful for that. Will you take this restoration of this faithful man, Job, and speak about our restoration and the need that we have. For every one of us here today has a need that you need to restore something in our thinking, in our serving, in our loving you, in our relationship with others. Lord, may we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It was, I don't know, maybe 10 days ago that I, we booted up the family computer. 
and we got that blue screen. How many of you here are Windows 10 kind of folks? I think I'm going to get them to change it because it's Carolina blue. And I don't think it should be that because it's not a blue you want to see. Because it's got some writing down there and it got some little information. And I don't even know why they put that there. They just need to put that blue screen because you know what? When that blue screen comes up, you done. It's over. You go on the computer. I have other computers. And I looked at 22 solutions. Folks said, see, you got your blue screen here? Go do this. And that baby will pop right up. They lied. That screen ain't popped up nary, nary time. My computer, it looked the same on the outside. When I cranked it up, it showed me that first cream of aces. I went into the BIOS, where you think I'm totally illiterate, that was just a waste of time. I could have kept it from then on as a calendar and a clock because that's all I got off the BIOS that would do me any good. Because all the tricks I tried, it recognized everything, but it was done. Are you done today? Are you here today? Is there some area in your walk with God, with your walk with somebody, that there's a blue screen, that blue screen of death? There's a funny story I read years ago. I've kind of adopted it because when I first read it, some of the things you did back then don't work anymore. It's a make-believe story between Jesus and Satan arguing over who could type the faster on a computer. Y'all heard this story? Aren't you glad you came today? And so they decided a contest would settle it. And so they set the parameters of the contest and they both began to type and the story goes Satan was typing so fast the keyboard was smoking, imagine that. Sparks were flying from his fingertips. Jesus was not behind but he kept doing something that Satan was too busy to recognize. All of a sudden right as they were coming to the finish line of the documents that they had been typing the lights flickered and the power went out. And immediately, Satan recognized that he had to start all over again. And so he began again, as rapidly as he could, to do it all again. But then he looked over and he noticed that Jesus, as soon as the power's back up, had taken off right where he left off. And he said, that's not right. How can that be? How did he not lose his work when the power went out? And the angels began to sing, Jesus saves Jesus saves. Now y'all laughing at my singing. <laughs> we understand saving your work. Here's what I want you to understand. The greatest truth of the message today. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And in salvation, there's restoration. You didn't hear that. In salvation... There's restoration. There's brokenness in our lives today. And the place of salvation is the place of restoration. It is through our faith that we'll find our hope. Restorations, they're fun. You ever seen a Model A running down the road? Those cars were built between 1927 and 1931. 
and some folks have them looking as good as new. The definition of restoration is this, returning to an unimpaired or improved condition. You hear that? An unimpaired, not broken, or an improved, a better, a better place. The action of returning something to a former place or condition. Today, I want us to understand that Job is a model of what happens when you stay faithful. We need to stay faithful in this world. I want us to look first at his situation. He was broken. There's, there's no doubt. If you don't think Job was broken, there is not a worse few verses in all of Scripture than in chapter 1 when those servants began to come and say, everything you've got has gone, and your children, all ten of your children are dead. My goodness, how terrible. It's only broken people who need to be restored. Peter could tell us. You remember Peter? You remember when Peter said, Lord, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You remember what Jesus said? Before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. Have you denied Jesus? Are you here today and say, oh, I won't deny? That's what Peter said. Peter said, I won't deny you, Lord. I won't do it. But we know he did, don't we? We know those stories. It's in all the Gospels. And the last time when he, he denied the Lord with a curse, it says the moment, it's almost as though the, the writer wants us to see that those words were still, they were hanging like somewhere between my lips and your ears. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. Oh, today that we might hear a rooster <laughs> if there's some area of our life that needs to be restored. And the Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. But you know what Jesus did after the resurrection? He called Peter off to the side. And he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter! Do you love me? Why do you think you asked him three times? A question of love for every denial. And he restored Peter. And Peter went on to be one of the greats in our faith. Are we denying God the full excess of our life? The blind man's sight was broken. Oh, there's some things we can't see. We know Jesus touched blind and, and he gave them an ability to see. In politics, they speak of blind loyalty. And we've seen it. Not only is it blind loyalty, but it is polarized into pure hatred. I wonder today, are there some blind spots in our family? Mom and dad. Are there some blind spots that if today the Lord might restore a spiritual seeing, we might see how to handle our children in a different way? Grandparents, I wonder if there's a blind spot in our eyes that, that if we could hear God say, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But we understand that through his salvation, he's restoring us that we might be able to help our adult children better and our grandchildren. Jesus wants to restore. You remember the story of the prodigal son? 
the prodigal left. And when it got so bad and he was broken down and he, he couldn't find any way to go forward, he decided to go back home in a different condition. And the father restored him. He, he took him out of the pig pen and he restored him. God wants to restore. Today there may be some unrepented sin in our life. There may be a prodigal journey you and I are on. Maybe in our Bible study, if we were to be honest, we'd say, Preacher, I don't study my Bible during the work during the week. You're a prodigal then. You're a prodigal son or daughter if you're not studying God's Word. I'm not praying like I ought to. Then you're a prodigal. You're in the pig pen. But I've got good news today. God wants to restore us. God wants us to come home. It says, and when that son came, while he was yet a long way off, the father ran and he fell and he kissed him. And he put a robe on him. He put a ring on his finger. put shoes on his feet. And he said, this is my son who was in the pig pen, who was lost, who was broken. But today, he's come to me and I will restore him. Today, if we'll come to God, he will restore us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Look at our situation as a nation. Oh, my goodness. I just, I, I, I just almost literally got sick on my stomach this morning. Gilroy, California, this past Monday at a garlic festival where families were just spending time together. Three are dead, 15 injured. Yesterday, outside of Walmart in El Paso, 20 dead. 26 injured. And last night, or this early this morning in Dayton, Ohio, nine dead and 26 injured. Would you pray with me right now? Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. We've wandered as a nation into chaos, into brokenness, into evil. And it hurts our hearts when we see folks just living life for no reason being shot. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Bring us back, oh God. Let us come back to you, oh God. Let us run back like the prodigal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The solution to the problem in our nation is not political. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who you don't vote for. It's not mental health reform, although that's the greatest neglected health part of our nation. But I want to tell you, having been around mental health most of my adult life, most of those folks aren't violent. You know who's taking these guns and shooting people? Evil people. Evil people. The solution is we need restoration. 
Do you remember how I started this sermon? You know where restoration is? It's in salvation. It's in the grace of God. God wants to restore us. The problem in America is evil. The problem in America is a lack of morality. The problem in America is that we've wanted to break down all the boundaries to free us up. And we no longer want any constraints of good and of evil. We want to be able to do anything we want to do, however we want to do it. And all the truths of the Bible, they get in our way. And America doesn't like them. And so we've torn them apart and we've thrown them away. And then we look every day at the news and we see chaos and chaos and chaos and chaos. And we say, wonder why? Really? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll restore you. I'll give you peace. I'll give you hope. I'll give you joy. What the world needs is a church that's standing firm on its faith. A church that's living out what it believes. A church that's saying, we love the Lord with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength. And we'll not let the culture tell us what we will and will not do. We'll do what God's word says we'll do. And if we'll do that, if we'll begin to love like Jesus and live like Jesus and act like Jesus and think like Jesus... And expose ourselves all the time, consistently and regularly to what Jesus wants us to do. Then we can make a difference in this great nation of ours. Because it brings me from his situation to the solution. And it's there in verse 10. Did you see what it said? And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. When we pray, you know, I, I'm guilty of too many times being shocked and having my stomach turn when I, I read these terrible stories, these terrible incidences, uh, these tragedies. They take place all over this world. There are so many atrocities taking place in this world where men have taken themselves and put themselves in places of power, whether they be the government or whether they be some rogue group. And they are working the works of this of the devil. And we would be shocked if we knew how many men, women, boys, and girls were being killed all over this land every day. But now it's coming to America. And he prayed for his friends. I mean, the writer doesn't want us to not get it. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed. For his friends. He wants us to see the connection. I love the song the choir sang last Sunday. Pray for the one on your left. And pray for the one on the right. Pray for one another. And when we're all praying for one another, guess what? You and I will get caught up in the prayer. Because somebody's going to be praying for us. Are we praying for America? Are we praying for our leaders? Are we praying for the world leaders? Are we praying for God to... To, to have his will and way in the brokenness of this world. Because here's what I believe. Here's what I believe more than ever. Is that if we'll begin to really seriously begin to pray. At some point the Holy Spirit's going to say. And what do you need to do while you pray? 
How can you be a part of the solution? Are you just a spectator? Are you and I, is the church just, are we just regulated to sit here in this little time for, this, for these few moments a week that order we might hear enough that we might feel just guilty enough or just, just relieved and peaceful enough that we can get through another week and then dive right back out into the culture and live exactly like the culture? No, I think if we pray, God will begin to reveal to us it's that wonderful conversation that he has with Job. And Job gets really honest with him. Job gets really mad. Job gets really frustrated. Job really gets honest with God. But as he continues to do it, he doesn't sin. And in the end, Job gets it. That's my prayer. Is that we get it. Oh, that prayer, what did he pray? How do you pray for Elphaz, Bildad, and Zophar who have challenged you and said, you're lying. There's got to be some sin. You've done something, Job. It's got to be your fault. It brings me back to the last part. His solution was to pray for his other. But what made his solution work was his Savior. Job 19, 25 through 26 says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives. That's right in the midst of his pain. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Job never quit. The solution. Let me take you back to my computer story. After I had tried every solution I could figure out. After I had been on YouTube and to a tutorial and talked to some folks. I needed to find somebody who knew more about it than I did. I had to find somebody who knew more about it than I did. I knew, I knew, listen, I knew I needed help. I knew it was beyond me. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew it wasn't going to happen. Listen to these words found in the book of Romans. For all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I found a computer master. Someone I knew who knew more than I did. And to be honest, that's not saying much to know more about a computer than I know. Today, would you allow the master of all eternity, Job's master, Peter's master, that blind man's master to examine our life. The problem was they sent me a graph. And I'm glad they told me what it told me on the graph because I wouldn't have known. It was, a, it was a bunch of green blocks except for scattered through those green blocks were some red blocks. And those red blocks were bad spots on the hard drive. You know what the hard drive of a computer is? In us, when we say I love you with all my heart, what do we mean by that? We're talking about our 
cardiovascular system? No. We're talking about that, that core place, right? That's what, that's what the hard drive is. It's the core place. And in that core place on my computer, I had some bad spots. Brothers and sisters, on the core place of our heart, we got some bad spots, you and I. We got some bad spots. I was told that because Windows 10 takes so much energy and so much to run and get going, that those bad spots, they mess it up. When it's trying to boot, when it's trying to start up, when it's trying to go, it hits those bad spots and it stops it. You see, those bad spots in our life, they stop us from being the witness that God would have us to be. They stop us from reading God's Word. They stop us from praying like we ought to pray. And we've got to understand that God wants to restore that in us. What my computer master could do that I couldn't do, he could retrieve all the data from my hard drive. He put in a new hard drive. It didn't have those bad spots. And then he put all my data back on that new hard drive. And you know what? Y'all come to my house after church. And I'll take you to my computer desk. And we'll flip that bad. I may be dooming it to never run again. I know that. But I got a feeling I'll flip that bad boy on and she'll fire up and she'll run that boot stick. And then I get those funny pictures that Windows puts on my desktop before I sign in. And I can go in and all the data's there. You remember what David said? When his sin became, when he knew he needed help. Like I knew I needed help. You remember when Nathan came to David and said, you have sinned against uh, Uriah. You've sinned against Bathsheba. You've destroyed their life. And in Psalms 51, we read it some last week. You remember what Jesus, what, what David prayed in Psalms 51? Create in me a new heart drive. Create in me a new heart. Creating me a new heart. Is anybody here brave enough today to pray, God creating me a new heart? Because God will do it if you pray. God will be faithful to do it. My solution is bad. My data is bad. I'm in a tough place. I'm like Job. I got good news. Restoration is in salvation. And if we will allow God to, to come inside us and to change us, to put in a new heart, to create. Paul said, the old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. So as I conclude this morning, when I first started writing this, I wrote down, is there something in your life that the Lord needs to restore? And then I wrote, let me rephrase that. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is something in every one of our hearts and lives today that needs to be restored. 
Every one of us, every one of us has a need. You want to see America change? Do you really want to see it change? We need to see this altar begin to fill up with people who care and come before God and pour out their hearts and say, yes, Lord, create in me a new heart. Create in me a new life. And Job died, an old man full of days. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Here's what I want to tell you. God's got a blessing for everyone here. Maybe it's waiting here at this altar. Maybe that's where you need to come to get it. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now. You know what you need to do. You know, I know those areas of our life where we need restoration. We know that verse is true. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know the areas of our life where we're prodigal, where we're in the pig pen. We know them. Lord, I pray again, bind Satan. Because right now Satan saying, oh, don't listen to that. Mm-mm, don't, no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't, don't. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Because I like America where I've got it right now. And I don't want the church to wake up. And I don't want God's people to pour themselves out in prayer and humility before me, before God. I don't want them to do that. I want you to read some more headlines next week. Maybe it'll be in North Carolina next week. Wouldn't that be cool? That's what Satan said. Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face I will hear, hear their prayers and I will heal their land 2nd Chronicles 7, 14. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're going to sing in just a moment, I surrender all, but Satan is saying, no, 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 not all. <laughs> don't do that. Oh, don't do that. We don't want revival to break out at Flat Springs Baptist Church. We don't want the Spirit to flow in such a place that everybody says, wow, you should have been at Flat Springs Sunday. We don't want that. But Lord, you do. Oh, you do. Satan doesn't want it, but Lord, you do. Oh, Lord, I feel your spirit in this place, and my prayer, my hope, my desire is that your people called by your name would humble themselves right now and say, I'll walk. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And in salvation, Lord, we know, we know there's restoration. Would you restore in us, create in us a clean, pure, 
new heart. That we might live our life in our family and in our community this week different. That's our prayer. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is page 275, I Surrender All. This morning as you sing that confessionally, whatever God leads you to do, we would invite you to do it as we stand together and sing. I didn't want to quit because I felt like somebody else needs to come. We'll be back next Sunday. Have a seat for just a moment. Yeah, uh, that's how we're going to do this. Lily, come on up here. We're, we're going to do this one at a time. because Now, this is something I can get used to in every Sunday. I'm just going to tell you, this is good stuff right here. Um, this is the first time we've ever taken our children to camp. Okay, that I know about. Now maybe, I don't know, I, I've, got a, I've got a fellow has been here a lot longer than I have. Uh, Leonard, did you ever take children to camp? Yeah, we did. So we've done that before. Since I've been here, this is our first time taking the children to camp. 
like this. And uh, Taylor texted me the night after worship when two had invited Christ to come into their heart. And Lily is coming today because she's not ashamed of the gospel. For she knows it's the power of God unto salvation. And she comes today and she stands before every one of you. And that's what she wants you to know. That she's accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she wants to live her life making Him the boss, the Lord of her life from this day forward. And as an act of obedience, she wants to follow that by becoming a member of our church through our baptistry. Do I hear a motion that we receive her into our church fellowship? I hear motions and seconds. If you would join me in welcoming her, would you indicate that by saying hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. We are excited to have you here. I'm going to ask you to sit right back for just a second. Sam, come here. In John's Gospel, second chapter, there's a transitioning between John and Jesus. And Andrew has been following John and he hears Jesus. And he hears the message that Jesus is the one John's been preaching about. And the first thing that he does is he goes and finds his brother, Simon. And he brings his brother. In that conversation we had, Lily said, I think my sister may be thinking about this too. So yesterday afternoon, Sam and I and Lily and mom and dad, we sat down. And guess what? Today Sam comes saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And she comes today saying she's a believer in Jesus Christ as her Lord and as her Savior. And she comes today saying, I want to join the church via my baptism. Do I hear a motion that we receive her into our fellowship? I hear motions and seconds. Would I, if you would join me in welcoming her, would you indicate it by saying, Hallelujah. Amen. If you'll have a seat, Delia, come right here. I remember when she was born. <laughs> and, and to stand here with her today, because you know what Delia's come to tell you? She's not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. She comes today saying she's invited Christ into her heart and into her life, and she stands before you to let you know. And if there's anybody else here who hadn't done it, she's telling you, they're all three telling you, you need to do it. You need to do it. And she comes today saying in, in obedience to her Lord's command, she too would like to become a member of our church via baptism. Do I hear a motion? We receive her into our fellowship. I hear motions in second. If you would join me in welcoming her, would you indicate it by saying hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. Goodness gracious, you girls have made my day. Come stand with me, all three of you. There's family here. We're excited about that. They're going to be with me at the door. Family, you're welcome to come. We'll line up to the cemetery, and that'll be okay. Uh, I'm just so excited because this is what we exist to do. But brothers and sisters, this is their first step. They're beginning today. They're beginning the journey that will go all the way to heaven. But it's a long journey. And sometimes we go through Job-like stuff. That's why we need a strong church. A church that can be here to love them, encourage them, teach them, challenge them, restore them. All those things. Thank you for being that kind of church. Wow. I don't want to leave. Y'all want to stay longer? Stand with me.
Lord, what a wonderful day. Now as we leave this place, girls, y'all going to join me back there at that door, okay? Family, you're welcome to come. As we leave this place, may we do so in God's peace, in His restorative peace, and in His power, His restorative power, and in His abiding presence, His abiding presence. That's where restoration is, that we might be His people in the midst of all His people who need to be restored. Would you pray with me? God, I want to say amen with the angels in heaven. For three have stepped out in their faith today and proclaimed you as their Lord. And Lord, there's nothing on this planet that makes me feel any better than what's just happened here today. And God, I pray for these precious souls that you would guide them and guard them. You would bless their families and the awesome responsibility that now lies at the family's door to raise these children up in a way that they need to go, that when they get old, they'll not depart from it. God, you go with us from this place. We praise your holy, holy name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.